0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Brainbase podcast, where we have quick conversations with industry leaders about how technology is impacting the future of brands, partnerships, licensing, and IP. I'm Greg Holtzman, Brainbase's director of partnership marketing and communications, and I'm excited to introduce today's guest, Tyler Rutstein. Tyler is currently the vice president general merchandising manager at Overtime Sports where he heads up merchandise, experiences, consumer products across the Overtime brand portfolio. In this role, he leads the business focused brand and product strategy, development, creative, sourcing, e-commerce and collaborations and licensing. It's a pretty busy guy. So prior to joining Overtime, Tyler was at Adidas for eight years, leading the marketing and merchandising efforts at Adidas North America for its style collaborations and fashion partnerships. Tyler's been based both in Europe and in the U.S. and now calls New York City home. He received his Bachelor of Science degree from the University of Florida with a major in journalism. Go Gators! We may have to talk about Tim Tebow on the Jaguars later. For some background, you know, Tyler and I have worked together for almost exactly a year now, helping over time find some great licensing partnerships. I think we got started June 2nd of 2020, Tyler. So I'm excited to celebrate our almost one-year anniversary with a deep dive into your career and overtime on the Brainbase podcast. Welcome, Tyler.
1: Thank you, Greg. Appreciate the warm intro. Always a pleasure talking shop with you.
0: Yeah. So I would love to dive into your career from the very beginning. So obviously, you've had such a great career, you know, working at some big brand names like Reebok adidas and now over time how have the different areas you've worked across which have been you know sports fashion apparel changed over the span of your career
1: it's a good question i would say to break it down for you sports has really changed from a content consumption standpoint hence overtime hence the birth of of overtime Mm -hmm. and where we are knowing that Gen Z, our young consumers aren't watching full games or watching highlights, they're watching clips of it. That's probably been what I've seen as like the biggest change and trend in sports. It's it's always been hero athlete driven, star driven for the most part. And I, I don't see that changing across the landscape. That'll always be an inspiring and moving part of sports. I would say another really amazing aspect of sports and the landscape and how it's changed is the activism, mm-hmm. and the athlete empowerment them becoming like real forces for change across everything that we see within the US and across the world. So that's been for me a particularly moving part of of the change in sports. On the fashion side, you know, particularly when I was at Adidas, uh, we took a huge focus on sustainability and changing, you know, the the fashion landscape in terms of consumption, in terms of sourcing materials, uh, removing plastics from the supply chain. That's been a bigger piece to to cracking like the fashion puzzle, I would say. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then thirdly, on the on the apparel side, it's so accessible today. Everyone can have their own brand. If you're an influencer, if you're if you have a platform, you could drop your own hoodie. You can drop your own t-shirt and you could really make something at, at, out of almost nothing in a way. So that the accessibility within the apparel space has has really changed. Everyone's collaborating with one another. So you see this mix of oil and water more than ever. To me, those are the most interesting and engaging collaborations. Right. Uh, I, I previously was working on collaborations at Adidas and you just see this across the board, this whole new force for, for partnering and collaborating, which has been which has been fun across sections across categories there's so much different partnerships happening so those have been my my key takeaways for those three pillars
0: yeah and i think also with fast fashion would you say that the speed at which you would bring you know products and collaborations to market has kind of increased since you started you know at reebok just like that like really quickly and especially you mentioned how anybody could, you know, drop a merch line with, you know, companies like Fanjoy and Represent. There's just so much competition now as compared to like 10 years ago.
1: Yeah, exactly. Speed has been a focus for all these companies, but obviously like coming from the Adidas side, the supply chain and the production lead times are so long. Mm -hmm. We're now at overtime where we, we we sort of took on apparel as a side project, as a fun project. And now it's turned into this really significant business right. for us and we're able to drop t-shirts the same times we do same time we drop a show or any type of you know activation like that so that's been fun it's been easy to be more dynamic uh, a lot more you know capturing trends in the moment sometimes but also really thinking about what's coming in the future
0: yeah it's really amazing how you've built that up and it's been cool to witness over the past year so speaking of you know early on in your career which was your time at Reebok who eventually got purchased by adidas they're on the selling block now so curious if you have any hot takes on Reebok's next destination and who might purchase them perhaps you know you have any ideas any seeds you want to plan on who you think you know what might be the next best move for them and you know since you then went on to adidas maybe you have some intel on why you think it just hasn't worked out for them
1: Yeah, look, my insights are as good as anyone's, as far as what you can read. Uh, I've seen Master P and Baron Davis are looking to partner Mm -hmm. to acquire and purchase Reebok. I'm really rooting for them. I would love to (laughs) take the reins of Reebok and really bring it back to its 1990s classics inspired cultural space. I've also seen Authentic Brands Group is a potential Mm -hmm. acquirer. And then I I assume there's some private equity groups that are also there in, in the mix. But yeah, I'm, I'm rooting for Baron Davis also a, a great investor and family overtime. of overtime. So I'm, I'm rooting for those guys.
0: Awesome, and, and why, <laughs> yeah, why do you think it hasn't really worked out for Adidas? Was it just too similar? I think they weren't able to really focus on Reebok as much. Maybe whoever purchases Reebok next just really has to have that be kind of one of their sole business focuses. And with Adidas having been doing so well and growing so fast, since they purchased Reebok, perhaps they just couldn't give them the love and attention that it needed?
1: Yeah, I would say, look, if you asked a hundred Reebok employees and a hundred Adidas employees, like why it didn't work, you would get a couple hundred yeah, different I'm sure. <laughs> answers. But for, from my standpoint, I think, look, when Adidas acquired Reebok, Reebok was somewhat pigeonholed to a degree to like get after fitness. And mm-hmm. by doing that, they strategically went after CrossFit and crossfit is a really narrow focus it's a really niche market and also at the same time like they're they're a really tight-knit community and they were almost anti-big brand almost going through that you could look at the case study of how nike came into skateboarding with sb and they did all these strategic moves to really make it feel like this was born from skate i don't know if reebok really took those necessary steps but even even though they did and and they did become the the official partner of the CrossFit games, there's so much, there's so much more that's changed over that 10 year period, right? We've seen content and commerce really become such big focuses in terms of driving products and, and sales. And the content piece with CrossFit is so is so niche. You mm. don't really have the influencers. Like l- let's just look at boxing today. You see boxing making this huge resurgence. You have a ton of influencers like Jake Paul coming yeah, in yeah. Being more eyeballs to the sport, but also you have this like 18 to 24 year old group of, of athletes. You know, Ryan Garcia probably be the leading one with a huge following. And CrossFit doesn't really have those personalities. Rich Froning mm. was that guy for, for a while when Reebok really got into the game. But I think that strategically Pigeonhole Reebok while also then like everything that was so cool about Reebok from the classics, the Iversons, the old school retro models, all of that is hard to continue to do while being a CrossFit brand, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately that's how it didn't fully reach the potential that it could have. And maybe if, if Master P and and Baron take it over, you know, I, I feel like I know where their heads are at in terms of what they are thinking about in terms of bringing back that, that true DNA. I used to rock black and white Reebok classics every day in oh, yeah. middle school. I'm thinking they, they would go go that direction. I, I'm hopeful they would.
0: Tyler, I used to have the G units. Remember the G, G units? units? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, even those... I think
1: Shaq is in the mix. He wants yeah. to buy, you know, he's got some of the coolest basketball retro designs, you know, of all time, really. So I'm hoping that that would be the case for the next chapter of Reebok and yeah, it was a good it was a good test for Adidas to try and have a little bit more market share in North America. But ultimately, I think it was it was hard to coexist while being so overlapped in the same spaces.
0: Yeah, and I think all that also kind of I think it you have to go back to innovation and come out with products that differentiate you and really catch on to the consumer. For Reebok, that was the pump, I believe back back in the the eighties. Yep. Speaking of innovation, I think that's why Overtime has been so successful and, and so on fire recently. Now that you're at Overtime, and you know you guys are hiring a bunch, you have the new Overtime Elite <laughs> League. What initially drew you to joining Overtime from a major, major company like Adidas? And what projects and partnerships have you been most proud of since you started?
1: Well, when I was first introduced to Overtime, I just, I talked to Dan, the co-founder. He's ultimately my boss as well. and He's he's a really visionary, you know, guy. He's got this amazing kind of challenger mindset and big personality. And then I was just looking at like where the world was trending, you know, and where, you know, athletes were going and all of this content that was really high school basketball at its start, but you were seeing it just transform in this model of like covering high school basketball players as influencers and really just covering their highlights and building them up and amplifying them and and really creating not a media platform but a community in a sense Mm -hmm. that to me was like really special and i saw like this is something i want to be a part of this is a trend that i think is is ultimately going to win over you know the next generation of of consumers of athletes of of overall just like participants in in the sports world so the more i and and honestly i i really did like my research too i was i was talking to so many different people and i was asking all these kids like what do you think about overtime and mm-hmm. what do you think of would you wear overtime and the overall brand love and oh, there were shout out overtime you know they threw up the <laughs> yeah, oh. and and the overall just like brand advocacy and and excitement people had and passion people had for for the media platform or for what we, whatever you want to call overtime was amazing. And so ultimately that was a big push for, for me and just overall validating to, to come over and make the jump to overtime. I also wanted to be a part of something smaller, a little bit more of a nimble startup. I thought as my career progressed, like that was ultimately something that I wanted to, I guess, check the box with and really have that type of experience. So this was a big draw for me.
0: And then is there anything you've worked on so far that you've been like, damn, this was awesome. Like this really took us to the next level, maybe with your kind of e-com operations, something that just was like, this is working. We got to keep at it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm proud of a lot. As of recent, the launch of this new league and what we're doing there and how we're really changing the game in the sports landscape, particularly with basketball. I'm really excited for the league to launch in September and, and we've been you know, working nonstop to make that happen and get all the, the right pieces in place for that. So more to come on that, I'm sure we'll touch on that later in the pod as well. I would say like last year, which was a crazy year for so many different reasons, The brand really stood out and was validated by our consumers. And overall, apparel became a third of our revenue last year. And we really saw this surge in the brand and and e-commerce in particular. And I'm excited for the possibility of we've done a lot of different partnerships. We're continuing to mix this model of content and commerce Mm -hmm. so well and, and really just see the validation from our consumers. And for me, you know, the exciting pieces are like we can really just turn on different stories and amplify artists and designers in the same way that we've amplified young athletes and helped them build their own brands. You know, we have over 50 million followers. Now we do 1.7 billion views a month. We really just try and tackle on so many things that are at the heart of what we're trying to do the overtime way. We just launched a show a month ago called race. And it's a particular, it's a particular project that I love because it is in essence, like so overtime. it's about a, a kid named Hayden Swank who is the tier is like in that second tier right below NASCAR and he's half black, half white. So the show, the name race is kind of a double entendre, but it's his journey as he goes through the trial and tribulations with racism in America, being part of, you know, trying to make it in a sport that has been historically one of the most racist sports as well. And really like, he's got all the skills, talent. He's such a great person. Uh, And we really take you through his journey. We dropped some apparel along with the show, which sold out, which was also really cool to see like, you know, how we can really capture all those different aspects of dropping a show, having a personality as part of it, and then really, you know, monetizing it on the consumer product space too.
0: No, that's awesome. I've definitely been seeing that (laughs) pop up on social. I'm excited to, I've seen clips. I'm excited to check out the longer uh, episodes. So moving on, It's a good one. Yeah. And I think a huge part of overtime success is kind of the successful e-commerce operation that you've built up. How much focus do you put on developing your own products versus sourcing, you know, licensees and partners? We've worked on Papa shot together. You've done PSD, you've done fathead, a few other collaborations. So how do you kind of weigh doing (laughs) your own merch and your own products versus bringing in partners?
1: It's always a balance i would say it's a case by case basis we love making our own stuff mm-hmm. and we we've done a really good job in terms of making some really high quality products but i also then i don't want to get involved where others are the true experts in this space and they've probably been doing it for decades or hundreds of years if anything and so like when it comes to like performance apparel or performance products we're not really Going into that in a in a big way, we'll we'll partner, we'll license with someone who who is much more authentic to that space and where we could bring a different edge to a particular product or franchise. There, I would say that's been our our, our strategy for the past year or two. Not going after you know new categories where we know. There's someone that's already doing it better. And there's someone that's already in the space that does it so well. Why not partner and take advantage of their infrastructure and they could take advantage of our content and be able to promote their products and promote their brand in an authentic way to, to, to Gen Z, you know? So I think that's been overall the balance. It's a case by case basis. Like we take on great partners, great licensees. You've been a part of several of those. And then in some cases we're, we're making our own products and and our own apparel.
0: Right, and I think the overtime O is so powerful. Like you were saying earlier, you were you know asking kids before joining overtime what they thought, and you'd see them you know throw up the O, like you know literally on the streets of New York on social media. So I think some people listening, if you aren't already, that the wheels aren't turning about how you can maybe partner with overtime, you know, you should start thinking about how you can use that O. But when people do come to you, or you are looking at you know, other brands to potentially partner with, is there anything you specifically look for? And because of how unique Overtime is, is there anything you think that you might have on your checklist that other people that work in licensing or brand partnerships at maybe just like a bigger, more traditional company may not be thinking of or have on their checklist?
1: My, my checklist is pretty standard or cliche in a way. Mm-hmm. I want to work with great people. I want the partnership to feel right. Everyone's coming in, feeling a mutual benefit. We bring something to the table. You bring something to the table. And everything is off the charts in terms of what we can do creatively, mm-hmm. whether that's on the content side or on the product innovation side. Those are, you know, my checklist is short. It should make sense we should feel like it's bringing something new to the game and we should feel like it's some it's ultimately something different when we've done things in the past i think ultimately like it's either been centered or anchored in sport or basketball in particular, because like we find ourselves really rooted in basketball culture. But then at the same time, the clash of two different worlds colliding, I think is something that makes collaboration special and feel different. And, and our consumers are sharp, you know, they could sniff out things when they're not authentic. And we always want to make sure that we're being authentic and and part of our community, and we want the the brand partner or the potential brand partner to also have a community or be the the type of brand that's in a positive light, just like we always try and be for for our community and our followers.
0: Right, and I think what's great is you guys also, you know, what makes you different than just any other media or sports property is just your marketing power. Like you mentioned, the more than fifty million social media followers across your platforms. I think when people should be looking at you also which they should be for partnerships i think that's really what differentiates you is when you do come up with a licensed collaboration you guys have so many avenues and very powerful avenues to then market those products and make sure the overtime fans are purchasing them and it's you know it's part of the community whenever you come out with a new product a new line it just becomes part of the overtime universe and Um, I think that's what really makes partnering with you guys special.
1: Yeah. Ultimately, as of late, it's been how can we crack TikTok from different partnership conversations. And we have over 16 million followers on TikTok now. We're the largest sports platform on TikTok. We've really done a good job of figuring out ways that our content strategy on TikTok is super sharp. And in also ways that we've, we've done hoodie drops purely off TikTok. You know, working with our talent. We have some of our own talent, overtime Megan, overtime Larry, mm-hmm. and that's been really successful. We also have a tech subscriber base with over a hundred thousand people. Most people don't even know about that, but it's been one of our highest converting channels as well, just in terms of product and consumer products. So I think as you are out there and you think about how you can think of work with overtime in a in a variety of ways, there's we're on every channel, we're on every platform, and we try and be different for each platform and really make content that's specific to each platform.
0: So I know we mentioned Overtime Elite previously, as some of you haven't heard, Overtime Elite is a new professional high school basketball league that will pay players a guaranteed minimum salary of $100,000 in addition to bonuses and equity in the league. Again, this is for high school basketball players. This announcement rocked the sports media landscape and the the general media landscape when announced back in early March. So, Tyler, my question for you is with this new league, how will it create new opportunities for overtime from a merchandising and licensing perspective?
1: Yeah, so a ton of opportunities with, with the league because we will be creating content and stories around the league, around the games, around the players, building their own brands in some ways as well they can now monetize their name image likeness. So they're fully empowered, both economically and as athletes. Also, like what the the media hasn't really dove into so deeply yet is there's a full education arm to overtime elite into OTE, they'll have a four to one student teacher ratio. And for us, that's like, we want to be comprehensive, we want these young athletes to really go into their next journey, their next chapter fully prepared. And so they'll have a really focused curriculum on financial literacy, social justice, and really like rounding them out as as individuals. So within that, in the education space, there's a ton of opportunity. They'll have some classes around entrepreneurship. We'll probably work with them. Many of them want their own brands. We're working with a variety of, we're having conversations with a variety of partners around uniforms, around working on different deals, you know, to bring in different, for the league in terms of sponsorships, in terms of co-created products. Mm -hmm. I think there'll be a lot of opportunities for collaboration. We've seen from my standpoint, particularly in the apparel and streetwear world, I've seen a ton of energy and momentum around working with young athletes before they've ever stepped foot on an NBA court as like the face of your brand in, right. in a variety of campaigns. The landscape is changing so much. And Overtime Elite has is really just the genesis of all that is how, is how much the landscape has changed and where we want to be on the forefront of all that change. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities and new verticals for us to do merchandising partnerships, to do licensing partnerships uh, across Overtime Elite and working with some of the players as well.
0: Yeah, I'm really excited to see that develop. And it's such a game-changing initiative and league. And I think it's going to also just improve a lot of these players' lives, especially from an earlier age. Uh, And so I think with the creation of this league, obviously the overtime IP just became a lot more powerful um, and more valuable. And I think just it, it gains more and more value with each passing day. So my final question for you is, as we look to the rest of 2021, And beyond, you know, how do you and over time as a whole um, plan to, you know, best monetize your brand through merchandise, licensing, brand collaborations and partnerships moving forward? Is there any kind of future thinking strategy you're able to share with us?
1: I could share a few things, you know, at a high level for, for one, at a starting point, Overtime Elite is an own is our own and operated property. Mm -hmm. Right. So with that comes a lot of liberties and working with content capture. And we're going to have within the Overtime Elite campus, there'll be call it like the OT house, like a TikTok house where a lounge where all the players will, will hang out and we'll be able to curate a lot of different types of content and product integrations there. But also really what, you know, what comes with that is the loss of a lot of restrictions that, you know, within the start of my career at Overtime, we always have been super focused on making sure we never jeopardize anyone's NCAA eligibility. And there were so many grippling rules around Around that type of stuff within different states around the country, so a lot of those things are changing, and our audience is is hyper focused and engaged around all of that stuff. So I think there'll be a lot of opportunity within that space as we as we build out like our licensing partnerships and product partnerships there. Awesome. Well, and we want to unveil the uniforms in a way that are really you know similar to how Nike has treated University of Oregon, yeah. in a way, like dropping their their latest innovations or testing new things and new designs within that. We know our audience loves disruptive, mm-hmm. loves loud, loves bold. We're really going to treat our, our products in the same way for Overtime Elite.
0: Awesome. Yeah, there's so much opportunity uh, for storytelling around uniforms. I'm sure you know that from your days at Adidas when yeah. I used to do PR for Under Armour, I remember. Reading those stories about, you know, when like Notre Dame would wear like a special uniform for a game at Yankee Stadium and you'd be able to get a lot of exposure and and help fans get more excited for, you know, those games, those uniforms to purchase exactly. them, to wear them. So I'm excited to see what kind of storytelling comes with the league and the merchandise as well.
1: Yeah, it's good stuff. I'm, I'm really excited for it. The, the league is set to launch in September and there'll be a lot more announcements in the coming months. But yeah, we're really gearing up for some big, some big things.
0: Awesome. Well, that is my last question. Thanks for joining the podcast, Tyler. If people want to reach you um, or learn learn more about Overtime or the league, where do you want to send them? Where could they find you?
1: You could find me on LinkedIn. You can, I check LinkedIn messages probably once or twice a week. You could also find me on Instagram. I check my DMs regularly, Tyler Rutstein on Instagram, just like my name and yeah i'm always open for cool conversations and seeing about cool new things and learning more
0: yeah and anyone in the licensing brand partnerships community if you want to talk about working with overtime um, feel free to just email me as well greg at brainbase.com would be happy to have that conversation perhaps introduce you to tyler and thanks again for listening if you haven't checked out our new products yet that we just launched a few weeks ago Uh, Brainbase File and Vault for filing your trademarks, as well as protecting them so much more easily and cost effectively than anything else on the market. Check it out. They're two game changers for sure. And uh, head to brainbase.com for more info and stay tuned for the next episode. Thanks for listening, everyone. And thank you again, Tyler.
1: Thanks for having me.